Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, this is Mark Ritter, the CEO of MBFS and your host of Credit Union Conversations. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm I'm really excited about my guest today to talk about one of my favorite, favorite topics in commercial lending, and that's construction lending. And earlier this week, I was at a conference and, you know, I hate to say it was kind of a generic business lending talk. And then somebody said, raised their hand and they said, what about construction lending? And I said, aha, you need to listen to my show. So I hope the person who asked that question is listening when this episode drops, because it is extremely, extremely helpful what we're about ready to talk about. Joining me today is Mike Kozmoski. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Great. And Mike is with Lender Consulting Services. And that is one of my favorite companies I deal with because there's no doubt exactly what his company does. So they consult with lenders on a whole bunch of things. So Mike, tell people your origin story, your background, uh, and a little bit. And if you hear us say LCS, that's Lender Consulting Services. That's what I've called them for 20 years. So take it away. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Uh, who am I? Uh, I'm Mike Kuzmuski. I'm the Senior Vice President of Construction Services at Lender Consulting Services. Um, my background, initially out of school, I went to school to be a classically trained architect. Uh, so I have my degree in architecture and urban planning. Um, decided right out of school that that wasn't the direction I wanted to go and got into the construction industry. Um, I've been in the construction industry plus or minus 23 years now. Um, kind of started in the industry as a junior estimator, then to a chief estimator. Then I went to the project management side, junior PM, to a project manager, senior project manager. Uh, prior to coming to LCS, I was the director of construction for a large multifamily developer here in the Western New York area um, who kind of built multifamily all around the country. So um, I say, you know, coming to LCS, I've been LCS now about two and a half years. Uh, they brought me out of the dark side. They brought me from the dark side of construction and into the light uh, to use my skills and talents for the, for, for the good. So, um, you know, I've been here now, I've said about two and a half years and uh, things have been going great. Yeah, and LCS is my go-to company to help with credit unions on construction lending, but they actually do a great job in some other areas. Uh, Mike, run them down, you know, kind of some of the other lines of business for me. Yeah, so LCS is a third-party due diligence services provider. So we have a construction services division, which I run, and we'll handle everything for you from a uh, property uh, inspection report to a uh, property condition report to uh, plan inspect cost review or draw inspections or any other consulting work you might need on the construction side. Uh, We also have an environmental services component. So we'll do transaction screens, desktop reviews, phase ones, phase twos, uh, turnkey services, all that. And then we have a valuation services division, which will do appraisal reviews, you know, commercial evals, things like that. I've been in the credit union and QSO business for 20 years now. And 
LCS has been been my partner and my go-to company uh, for a whole bunch of services for for dang near 20 years. So I always appreciate it. And you know, Mike's only been with the company for a few years, but uh, you know, my history with the group there goes uh, way way beyond that. So yeah, we're uh, actually Mark. We're, we're we're celebrating our 25th year this year. That's so, great. It, you know, and a lot of our senior level management has been here pretty much the whole time. So uh, you know, great company. And I really am an advocate and a big fan of construction lending because I see it as really creating value to communities. You, know, you, you drive around your community, you see properties in good shape and, and vibrant, you know, and that's what makes a community. You see dilapidated properties and that's what defines that community. So just really the value of those buildings and what they're contributing to society is so important. And as credit unions, I, I, you know, I, I look at us as a mission-driven organization. You know, we're, we're financial cooperatives to help out the community and be a part of the community. So not being involved in construction lending it, it, it is is really taken away that that crucial piece, but so many people get intimidated by it. You know what what do you see from your perspective as to what makes construction lending so intimidating? Well, you know, I, I think inherently in all construction projects, there's risk, right? And most lenders are, you know, let's say risk averse, right? They, they want to mitigate their risk and they want to lend and, you know, but they want to do it in as, as least risky of a way as possible. You know, there are so many ways that a construction project can go sideways. You know, let's say things like supply chain issues. You know, we saw that during the pandemic, uh, natural disasters, labor issues, design issues, budget issues, you know, all things that, you know, at any point in time, you know, you could you could come upon, you know, during a construction project. So I know there's a lot of lenders out there that are just, you know, apprehensive to it. And, you know, for us, it's it's just, you know, if, if they're proactively managed, if these construction loans are proactively managed, um, your risk, you know, you can mitigate most of the risk on a project. Well, you know, the person who asked me about construction lending and what I, what I thought of it, that, that was exactly my answer. I said, you know, it, they're, they're great for a community. I said, however, when a construction loan goes sideways, it doesn't go a little sideways where you have a bump in a road for a day or two. Usually it's a big mess. And being proactive, there's so many ways to mitigate that risk. And I think sometimes people just don't realize what services are out there. And I am the perfect example because, you know, you're an architect, you're in the construction business. I am the least competent homeowner and fixer-upper there is of a house. I can't do anything. (laughs) If it's, you know... I can change a light bulb, you know, and I'm really good at that. And I brag about it to my wife every time we have bright lights in here. (laughs) But beyond that, I need help. And usually when I try to do it myself, I'm not good at it. And the result is much more time and expense. So 
for for me to to judge a construction company and to judge you know what's going on i'm the wrong person for it i can't take care of the simple stuff myself so having resources that that are available is that's what everybody needs because you know most credit unions don't have it's not viable to have architects and construction engineers on site we all know that but you can get the help to do it so so yeah i really think just just the services you provide are just so valuable to 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 the industry on on something that we can't do without a help of somebody like yourself well, Mark, and I couldn't agree any, with, with you more. I, I think one of the biggest things with, with anything in life is knowing when to ask for help, knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know, and when you don't know it, asking for help from qualified individuals. I, I, you know, that's something that you know, most due diligence companies, third-party due diligence such as LCS, that's what we're there, we're there for. You know, maybe it's not even something that you know you're going to engage on a project tomorrow, but you need some. You know, you need to ask a question. You need to run something by somebody. I mean, asking those questions, you know, especially early on, is what's so important to to most construction projects and construction lending. So, as I record this, it's April 2023. It'll drop in May 2023, and three years ago we had a black swan event. Uh, that was just not anticipated. What was the construction industry like during peak pandemic uh, in terms of the craziness and what lenders had to do to respond to it? Well, I, I, you know, I, I call that time of my life the Wild West. You know, the pandemic and construction was the Wild West. I mean, you had kind of the perfect storm, right? I mean, you had at that time, you know, Jobs were shutting down. It was tough to get um, materials on site. You, you know, lumber mills were shutting down. Uh, people were staying at home. And then all of a sudden, you know, that turned around pretty quickly and you still had low interest rates. So, you know, everybody tried to build something, right? Everybody tried to, you know, to get some project on the board. Um, so what we saw a lot of was, you know, we saw a lot of demand from, from borrowers. And then we saw lenders who also also wanted to lend to those borrowers. So, you know, we saw a lot of relaxing requirements on the lending side. You know, things where normal lenders, I would say, you know, wouldn't uh, let a PSCR not be written or maybe would do draw inspections on a project. You know, they were now selling against other banks that were saying, oh, no, we're going to waive those requirements. You know, we're not going to make you do that and trying to cross sell against other lending institutions. So we saw a lot of lending institutions start to waive those requirements, which, you know, quite, quite frankly, caused a lot of issues, not immediately, you know, but towards the end of the pandemic. You know, they they approved projects that had budgets that were generated before the pandemic. You know, those budgets after the pandemic were were basically null and void. You know, supply chain issues caused uh, prices to increase. Labor shortages caused prices to increase. Um, you know, and then there was just standard inflation that caused prices to increase. And then, you know, so, so we didn't update budgets. We had contractors who were taking jobs that, uh, that, you know, they probably shouldn't have done, but they were the only contractor who answered the call of the borrower. You know, when the borrower was looking for GCs, so everybody was busy. I mean, every GC was busy, and they were busy trying to put a puzzle piece together that was, that was, that was really pretty difficult. 
you know, and that that flooded the market with with, uh, you know, a, a lot of construction, which, you know, put the demand on labor very high, the demand on materials very high and ultimately made the cost of materials, you know, skyrocket through the roof. In 2020, I bought and renovated a home for investment purposes. Oh, man. Good and, timing, Mark. And it was, I, I bought it. I, I believe I put it under contract in July. And I believe I put it under contract in July. And we, we, we got a contractor, you know, towards the end of August, September. And my contractor lost his shirt on this job. And I know that because he told me that because they didn't complete it till the following May. And by then, uh, materials that was skyrocketed, employee costs skyrocketed. If they, and this was probably peak time if they could find an employee. And I wanted to ask you, it's one of the things you, you mentioned budgets. What t t talk to me a little bit about how the construction industry handles the inflation? Because if you talk to a contractor today, that doesn't mean they're going out and buying the material tomorrow. They have to budget it. They have to get it in their pipeline of jobs. They have to go get permits and everything else that goes into it. And heck, it could be a year or two later that that this is uh, that this gets done. How does the construction industry handle the inflation uncertainty uh, that that we've seen? Well, a lot of times you'll see it's based on how the contractor is contracted with the owner. You know, different contracts, uh, you know, we use a lot of AIA or American Institute of Architects contracts. They'll have clauses in them for as cost escalation. You know, but again, there are certain contracts like an AIA uh, 101 contract, it's a lump sum. So whatever they bid, the contractor has to to perform the project um, outlined in the drawings and scope, you know, for that dollar amount. So sometimes on a contract like that, you'll have a, a GC include a contingency, or hedge their bet. You know, may, maybe put more margin or more more profit into the job uh, to make sure that if something happens, that they can they can weather that that uh, high and low. Um, but a lot of times, you know, that, that's why we always recommend, you know, to have that discussion before that final contract's generated. You, you know, we love seeing, you know, and it's kind of the move in the industry, you know, 25 years ago, every contract was an AIA uh, 101 contract, which was a lump sum, you know, where basically a contractor was given a set of plans and specs. They would go out, they would bid the job out to their subs. They would come back with a number and say, borrower or owner A, you know, the, the job's going to cost you a million dollars and we'll get it done for a million dollars. You know, nowadays we see a lot of what we and, call. And, and Mike, let me, let me, and I guess much of that was driven by, here's my cost today. I know what my cost is going to be six months from now or a year from now. And I know what I'm going to have to pay people to get this job done. That, that's correct. That's a, that's 100% correct. So then when the market went crazy, you know, it, it, during the pandemic, you know, we saw a big shift from those AIA 101 contracts to what we call construction management agreements, where basically they're, they're a cost plus, um, and they can still have a cap. They can have what's called a GMP, which is a guaranteed maximum price. Um, but there's certain mechanisms and certain times at which you provide pricing. You know, with those construction management agreements, you basically, as the job is being designed, you provide budgetary pricing. When the drawings get about halfway done, you provide a, a conceptual estimate. 
you know, when the job, when the when the project is 100% designed, you then go out for full build and or for for full bid, and then you provide again a uh, a, a final estimate. I would call it. Once the final estimate's generated, if it's within the uh, the budget of the owner, you can then create a GMP amendment and agree to that dollar amount. You can also say, "Hey, listen, that's still uh, you know a hundred thousand dollars higher than I want to spend. Can we value engineer?" Which is a process that most contractors will do, which is basically take a look at the drawings and specs and see where they can save money either by changing you know what type of faucets they're using or what type of flooring or what type of exterior finish. And then go through that value engineering process, get to a final dollar amount, and then sign that GMP amendment, which then allowed the you know the borrower to have some sense of uh, uh, relief that they they have a, a number. It's not going to exceed this number. Now, can it exceed the number? Sure, it can. How can it exceed it? Usually, we see that via change order, and those are change orders that are uh, usually initiated by the owner or something unforeseen. So, you know, you're building up a, on a ground up construction project. You end up digging for your foundations and you find an old foundation was left underground that you didn't know about. Well, that additional cost would be borne as a, as, a, uh, as a change order. That's why we always say, you know, all these contracts, regardless of whether they're a lump sum or a CM, you know, should have contingencies in them. In a perfect world, when should a credit union be calling you about a construction monitoring job or to, to, to get help with a construction loan? Well, I, you know, I always recommend, and, and, and I think your team does an excellent job at it, but we like to get brought in before the deal's even finalized on your end. You know, before you've even made a credit decision that, okay, we're going to do this deal, you know, have the discussion with us. Say, okay, you know, we're doing a, a, a renovation project in Atlanta, Georgia, that right now is, is preliminarily budgeting at, you know, $80 a square foot in this type of building. What are your thoughts? And, you know, we, we, working with your team, we, we've done a really great job, you know, synergistically, you know, finding some of those, those sticking points or those, those jobs that might have some hair on them early on. Um, but then after that, it really comes down to, you know, using the right due diligence services, such as like a, a plan and spec cost review. That should be done before you even close on the loan. That, 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 that product will allow us to find any issues, you, you know, prior to closing that, that could cause issues for you guys down the road. Yeah, and that's one of the things, you know, many people know they need your help, but they don't even know what's available and out there or what they should be asking for. To talk a little bit deeper about that uh, plans and cost review just because i don't think people that to me that's a critical piece of the credit process like, like you said before uh or or as a contingency in the approval process not when you're getting ready to close so tell people exactly what that consists of yeah so so a plan and spec cost review is is a pretty comprehensive report um, we look at about 11 different portions of the project, um, and, 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 you know, the primary pieces are the construction drawings, uh, the construction specification manual, and then the budget. But we'll also look at the schedule of the project from the GC. We'll look at the architect's agreement. We'll look at the contractor's contract, municipal approval letters, um, utility will sylve letters, environmental reports, geotechnical reports if available, surveys, ALTA surveys. And what we like to do is that report 
will give you what I say is is what we deem as all the risks on that construction deal. You know, when we look and, and we we look at, a, at a, a GC contract, we can tell you, hey, this is the type of GC contract it is. These GC contracts, you know, they tend to have a lot of change orders on them, or they tend to be loose on this avenue, or, you know, there's not enough teeth and there, there's no retention built into it. There's no contingency. So, so that plan spec and cost review, you know, gives that full, you know, health report, I call it, you know, for those projects. And, and to your point, I, I mean, unfortunately, I've seen the industry get those reports at all different times. Sometimes they don't get them at all. I mean, we've done them after the lending institution is closed. And at that point in time, I just see that as, as a means to meet compliance, right? The horse is out the barn by that time. Exactly. What, what's the point of getting it if, if you, other than just to ha- be able to tell an auditor that, hey, listen, you know, oh, yeah, we got a plan spec cost review. Well, guess what? We closed on April 15th, but we did the, the plan spec cost review in June. You, you know, it, it, that doesn't help. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll, I'll ask this facetiously. I've heard every once in a while a contractor will want to low bid a contract uh, to get the work. And you may look at a contract and say, there is no way on earth this is getting built for this price. Yeah, we, we've we've actually done that, and I know those are uncomfortable conversations, but you know that's what we're paid for. We we've done that quite often, you, you know, where, where we've looked at a, a project, we've looked at the plans and specs. You know, we have a you know LCS being in business for twenty five years, and then you know my team of of construction uh, project managers in the office here. You know, we we have o- over one hundred and fifty years of experience in the department. And the benefit to that is we can look at something, you know, with our historical numbers and our knowledge and say, listen, you can't build that for that in that, you know, region. Because, again, costs vary based off of whether you're in Mobile, Alabama or in, you're in New York City. You know, and and that, many times they, they, they can't build it legally. <laughs> well, well there, you, there you go, right? I, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I have a, uh, one of our project managers here. Um, you know, he tells me this story, and, and, and I love the story. But, you know, he said 40 years ago when he was, you know, coming into the industry, his boss told him, you know, at that time you didn't do electronic plans. Everything was paper plans, and you'd go into a plan room, and, you know, you'd look at the plans, and you'd create a quote for a job. And, and his boss said, go to the plan room, find the worst set of drawings you can have, and low bid the heck out of that job. Because we know that if it's a million-dollar job, it's going to be a $3 million job before we're done. You know, and, 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 and that's that's the way that's why the industry got a bad uh, right. Got a bad rap for a long time because yes. that's how it worked, you know. But now there's such be, because everything's you know integrated on the Internet and data sources and the ability to hide like that um, has changed quite greatly. And but that's what we're here for. Right. And, you know, LCS is here to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen. And, and I just think about 80 percent of the concerns that lenders have on getting into construction projects can be mitigated and eased before closing and during that process to get into the issues and anticipate what's going on up front as opposed to I'm halfway through this project uh, and we're out of money. 
Well, that's that's exactly it. I, I, I mean, I mean, Mark, you know, the great motivator is money, right? And, and if you wait, if you wait to do, if you do a plan spec and cost review, you know, early on, you're able to find the issues with the contract, maybe on the contractor's contract. So what can you do? You can go back to the GC and say, hey, listen, this job's not going to go forward unless we, you know, we do this, this, and this on the project. So, you know, like you said, the horse was out of the barn, right? You know, you have the most leverage prior to closing on the loan and prior to, you know, the owner signing an agreement with a contractor. So that's when we should be brought in. We should be brought in during that phase. I I sometimes think, uh, let's kind of shift gears to what I think most people think of when they think of your services, and that's the draw management. And that's actually, I'm putting out money uh, for a project that's partially built and I have partially built collateral. Tell me about what's idyllic for that draw process in working with you to make sure that the funds that are going out are actually going to the project and it's progressing as it should be. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I always say integral to a proper draw management uh, process is getting a plan and spec cost review done first, right? Let let's let's start with a baseline of a proper budget, you know, with a proper construction schedule and all the approvals and such, so that we can get started, you know, when we need to and, and on the right foot. Then what we say is, you know. There always tends to be, and each lender's a little different, but you know, the first usually two, three, four months of a project is the equity phase, right? So most lenders aren't dispersing funds, uh, but the, the project owner is, you know, and, and they're, they're having to get, whether it's 15 or 20 or 25% of the project, they need to out, you know, output their equity um, before the lenders will start outputting you know, loan funds. Uh, you know, we should still be doing uh, a, a draw inspection on those, you know, monthly draw requ- or draw requests that are being equity funded, you know, because that, you know, the, the way to best make sure a project's moving forward in an expeditious manner is to be there from the beginning. You know, one of the things I see, and, and I think it's a big pitfall, is that the project's been going on for a year, it's been equity funded for a year, then we get brought to the project and they hand us 12 pay applications and say, well, this was for the past 12 months and we want you to fund application number 13 or approve application number 13. That's almost impossible you know, from that point because you know, it's, you're so far behind the eight ball, you don't know what's been progressing, you don't know the players in the game, and you're just trying to figure stuff out that, that you know, if something was put in the ground, you know, if some storm drain pipage was put in the ground, you know, you don't get to see it, right? It, it's already in, it's buried, it's covered with asphalt, and, you know, they're doing something else. So, you know, it's hard to tell whether things are done in the proper procedure you know, and, and, and then done properly. That's one of the, the biggest value of, of using somebody like LCS is one of the pieces of seeing the project when it's half built because your people can go on site and say that doesn't look right that's a little off because once it's covered up like you said you don't know uh and and you can look for those red flags uh to to lift up to say we could have a problem here well that's exactly it i mean i mean a a draw inspection is meant to check the percentage complete of construction right so if you have a let's say you have a a three-story wood frame building you know they framed the first floor in wood you know, if they draw 33% of the wood line item, we should be in agreement, right? They've done a third of the wood framing, we should agree to a third of that. You know, 
we have seen, and, and, and you know, here's a stat for you that I think is just super interesting. You know, pr- prior to the pandemic, you know, LCS would uh, reject uh, about 20% of the pay applications that, that came across its desk um, every week, every month, I mean. You know, now we're, we're at almost 50%. You know, so contractors, you know, and, and, and borrowers, to, and I don't know if it's together or it's just contractors by themselves, but they are consistently and more aggressively billing more now than they ever have. You know, so that, that, that's why, I, you know, I, I just feel we're there to be the lender's eyes and ears. We're there to protect the lender and the borrower, you know, to make sure that they're not paying for, for something that they didn't get. Because Mark, you you know what happens. You know, contractor A has a two million dollar you know contract. You know, they do half the work. They get paid for seventy percent of the work, and then they leave. Why? Yes. Because they they only have thirty percent of the money left, and they know they can't finish the job for what they bid it. So you know, you made the anecdote about your your, your contractor finishing the job. That's a credible contractor because nowadays, you know, we've actually seen uh, you know the default rate of GCs, general contractors, changed dramatically. So, you know, pre-pandemic, it was about 2.8% of the GCs uh, in the country would default, you know, at the end of the year, basically go bankrupt, go out of business. During the pandemic, it was all the way up to about 11.2%. And now it's kind of, I don't want to say stabilized, but we're down to about 7.9%. So we're still at almost three times pre-pandemic level uh, as contractor default. And, you know, I hear all the time, I, I hear, you know, lenders say, well, this is a good GC. You know, we've done a lot of work with them in the past. We know the borrower, you know, we're going to relax our requirements, you know, maybe for a draw inspection or plan spec cost review because, you know, we know these guys. Well, guess what? They don't, they haven't ever operated during a pandemic or post pandemic, right? So, so, and like I use the term wild west, they're fighting for the same resources every other GC is. And some of them are better at it than others. And some of them are failing. Even people who have been in business, you know, 50 years, you know, are failing. And I, I want to shift gears for a second and, and talk a little bit about something that people don't think about when they're in when they're doing a loan, but it might not be a construction loan, but I know LCS helps with it. Talk a little bit about what's available in the marketplace with, with some of the, the property inspection, condition reports, and what's out there for lenders. But it's not a construction loan where, where you can come in and, and help them out, make a better credit decision. Yeah, so a lot of times you you know you'll you'll have a piece of collateral that uh, you know somebody did a renovation on or you know somebody's held in their portfolio for years and years, and you know they might be going to uh, to pull you know, to use it as collateral in the loan. So what we can do is we can actually go out and do a property condition report, and there's kind of a good, better, best um, of the property condition or property or property inspection reports. They're kind of synonymous. Um, you know, kind of a low-level version is what we call a, a PIR or property inspection report. It's where we'll actually send a field inspector on site. They'll do an interior and exterior inspection, and they'll look at about seven areas of the building. Everything from, you know, the foundation to the roof to the, you know, the, the facade and, you know, the interior finishes. And, and we'll sit there, and, and at the end, we'll give you a report that says, hey, listen, you know, with, with a five-year look ahead, a five-year reserve term, you know, the building should, you know, should be standing in five years. It should be, need no maintenance or no repairs or, you know, everything looks good. 
Then the, the, the kind of better report in this is, is the PIR plus, which is basically the same as a PIR, except it has costing. So if we recommend, you know, that, you know, the roof has exceeded its effective usable life, it's leaking, it needs to be replaced, well, then we'll actually provide you with a costing, um, an order of magnitude cost or a rough, a rough estimate of what that should cost to get replaced um, so that, you know, the borrower or the bank can hold, you know, funds for that and can plan for that either, you know, whether it's got to be done now or over the next five years. And then we actually do what I call the best report, which is an ASTM 2018-15 uh, um, property condition report. Um, it's it's an industry standard report. We'll, we'll actually go to the, uh, the site. We'll look at 21 systems uh, of the building. So we look at everything from structure to windows to doors to paint to flooring to, you know, roofing and siding and, you know, site work you know, curbs and gutters and, you know, all that type of stuff. And, and, you know, we'll provide a report that gives a 12 year reserve. So, you know, basically just, just tell you, Hey, listen, you know, while the roof is serviceable today, it's going to exceed its effective usable life in the next five years. And I'd, I'd, uh, you know, suggest holding a reserve in year six, you know, to, to replace that so that you can put together some sort of capital program uh, for maintenance and replacement of the structure to make sure that the, the collateral lasts through the term of the loan. Well, Mike, I enjoyed our conversation today, but before I let you go, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had on uh, my friend from our bond insurance company, and they deal with financial institution fraud and theft. And I asked him to tell me his wackiest story out there. Now, being in the construction business and construction monitoring business, Give me your best uh, and wackiest horror story uh, from out there that you like to use at dinner when somebody starts talking about what you do and what can go wrong. Oh, man. You know, construction, construction's a funny business, right? You know, you see people try and cut corners all the time. People try and do stuff. You know, it's actually funny. I was doing a large project out in central New York, and uh, it was in addition to a large school and uh, I had a, a large concrete pour and, and, you know, my concrete contractor needed to come out and prep, you know, prior to coming to the site and, you know, you know get, get his stuff ready, get all his materials and such. And he was going to get him shipped to the site, which he did. And he's like, hey, we're going to pour this. And I think it was about 50,000 square foot of concrete, you know, tomorrow. And I'm like, you know, no way. I said, it's not even prepped. The rebar is not down. The, the vapor barrier is not down, this, that or the other thing. And, and he goes, oh, no, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. I, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to happen. I think I bet him lunch that it wasn't going to happen. And next day, I was, it was, the place was about an hour and a half east of my where I was living at the time. So I stayed the night because I knew it was going to be an early morning. And I got to the site at 5 in the morning. And there was about 40 people you know, on site putting rebar down and, and, and putting <laughs> And I have never seen that much activity in that small of an area in my life. And he just looked at me, he gave me a wink, and he goes, he goes, money fixes anything, Mike. Money fixes anything. And I, and, and I laughed because I'm like, all right, how much is he paying these guys, you know, to travel here two hours away from their home base, to get here at five in the morning, you know, to basically, they were there until about one in the morning that night finishing the concrete. And wow. I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. This is, now, now I will say that what made it good and bad, what made it even worse was the, the pour went flawless. It was one of the nicest floors I've ever seen poured in it. It was in a public project, so there was a, there was a lot of eyes on it. 
and he, he has all these people come and pours the floor. Then the next day when you have concrete slabs, you have to come saw cut them. That's how you keep them from cracking, you know, across the slab. You, you control where they crack. So he sent somebody to come saw cut. Well, the guy didn't know that some of the concrete was saying exposed. And he kept putting all these crazy saw cuts all over the place. About a week later, we had to rip out half the concrete that we put oh. in. So I, I want to say he made about a $200,000 mistake sending somebody to the job site, you know, who just didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, that's, but that's construction, right? It's, it's the Wild West. And, and, you know, I always tell people, you, you know, proper planning, you know, both on the lending side and on the construction side will alleviate a lot of those issues. Oh, boy. So uh, Lender Consulting Services is located and headquartered in western New York, but you deal with lenders and projects nationwide. So kind of tell people if, if they're interested in, in talking about uh, construction or any of the other services you, got, you, you have, what's, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, we, we are, Mark. Thank you very much. We, we are uh, countrywide now. You, you know, we have inspectors all over the country. We can handle all lines of business um, in, in all 50 states. Um, best way, I always say, is direct them to the website. It's www.lenderconsulting.com. Um, you'll see uh, how you can contact us. You can email us. We can get back to you. And a lot of times, you, you know, finding the right person, you, you know, we, we've got a, a, a section of one of the pages that says who we are. You know, you can reach right out to us directly based off of what you need. And a lot of times, you know, I say, use us as a resource. Even if we're not contracted, please feel free to reach out. We're here to help uh, not just our clients, but the industry. Well, I, I'm really glad you were on today to, to help educate our audience uh, a little bit about construction lending, but, but also who you guys are, because uh, you're really a top quality organization uh, that, that we're, we always have had a, a nice relationship with, and we look forward to continuing that relationship. Thanks for joining me. And my guest today was Mike Kosmoski from Lender Consulting Services. And please uh, so go ahead and subscribe on your favorite audio platform. We drop episodes every two weeks. So thank you and have a great day and uh, keep on listening. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.